Welcome to the Explore with Visit Bradford podcast, helping you discover everything Bradford and District has to offer. Whether you're after incredible history, entertainment, the great outdoors, shopping opportunities, luxury dining or fantastic museums, this part of West Yorkshire has something for you. I'm John Foster, and today we're returning to the city of Bradford itself. In this episode, we'll reveal the city's industrial past, discover the origins of the moving image with a trip to the National Science and Media Museum, and find out about Bradford's bid for the UK City of Culture 2025. Bradford is home to some fascinating museums such as the Police Museum which delves into the history of policing and also criminal justice, the Peace Museum which is the only museum dedicated to the history and stories of peace, peacemakers and the peace movement in the UK and Bradford Industrial Museum which we're going to be heading off to shortly. Right now though we begin today standing outside a building that you can't miss as you wander around Bradford city centre. It's right in the heart of the city with the Alhambra as its near neighbour And, of course, we can see Centenary Square. It's the National Science and Media Museum. There's an imposing statue of J.B. Priestley outside, and with me is the curator, Jeff Belknap. Jeff, this is a vast building, this, isn't it? Yeah, it's a big, wonderful building right in the middle of Bradford where we can celebrate uh, all that is to do with, with media history. So inside, a whole treasure trove of things. Tell us about it. Yeah, so if uh, you come to the National Science and Media Museum, you can come and see some films. You can see the first IMAX ever in the UK, and you can also see some brilliant collections. If you are interested in the history of photography, the history of film, TV, or sound technology, this is the place for you. Inside as well, Jeff, it's very hands-on too. You can play, you can fiddle, you can press buttons, so it's great for kids. One of the best parts of the museum is called our Wonder Lab, uh, and that is a place you can come and explore the science of sight and sound. So if you want to learn about how echo works or um, how your your eyes work in perception, uh, then uh, it's a really wonderful place to bring the kids or adults to come and play with these kind of, of sensations. And if you like your TV, and especially your TV history, you might bump into one or two friends that you'd have seen from your childhood uh, inside the museum. If you're really missing Zippy and George, then <laughs> then come here and, and kind of come and look at, uh, at them on display. Or if you love the Thundercats uh, or any of those classic uh, children's TV shows from, from the 70s, 80s and 90s, then, then we have them here for you to come and explore. Now, this is not only one of the most visited museums in Bradford, but in the whole of the UK as well. Yeah, we are, we are very proud that outside of London, we are uh, one of the most visited museums in the UK. We're also very lucky to be part of the family of museums that is the Science Museum Group, with five museums spread across the UK, and, and the Science Museum being our uh, kind of main museum in London. Uh, so yes, we have lots to offer here as part of a family of experiences across the UK. When we talk about museums and uh, attractions and things like this building, we would think it would be in a Manchester or a Birmingham or a London or somewhere like that. Why Bradford? We're very proud to be here in Bradford. Uh, We've been here since 1983. We have a long history of celebrating Bradford and being in Bradford. But um, one of, I I suppose, the biggest and and most obvious reasons is that uh, Bradford is also the first UNESCO city of film. So uh, we are uh, working together with that important landmark to celebrate the history of film through our absolutely amazing film collection. And our very first IMAX ever to be in Europe is in Bradford. So for us, it's a no-brainer that we're in Bradford. 
if you remember going to the pub, your local and playing Space Invaders or Pac-Man, you've got a whole room, and I mean a big room, dedicated to those sort of games as well. So you can sit down and, and relive your youth a little bit too. Yeah, our games lounge is a, a great place to come uh, with the family or uh, as, a, as an adult to uh, come and play some arcade games or some of our, our wall-mounted console games, uh, PlayStation, uh, early early games from the, the 80s and 90s, uh, which is, is great for everyone of all ages. And the top floor, if you like your local history, if you like your TV history and you just want to sit and have a trawl through the archive, you've got an amazing collection literally on tap too. We do. We have on the sixth floor of the museum is the BFI MediaTek. That's a, that's a partnership with the BFI uh, where you can come uh, book in and explore the histories of TV and film in the UK. Everything that is on the BFI's um, digital archives is there for you to come and explore. So if you want to see a movie from, from the 1950s that, that you remember or a TV show uh, from 1945, then, then it's there for you to come and look at. Which is your favorite part of the museum? You know, this is just not a fair question to ask a curator. Uh, a favorite part of the museum is everything. The visitor is my favorite part. Everyone that comes and, and wonders um, through our collections. But if you had to pin me down into something that I just um, brings me into, into work every day, it's uh, some of our, our really amazing collections that we have on display. So if you want to see um, the very first uh, photograph, um, a replica of that, which we have in our collections, obviously we can't show it to you because it's very sensitive, um, but we have that down in our Kodak galleries, um, William Henry Fox Talbot's first photograph, or if you want to see um, the very first film camera, so Louis Leprance's film camera, uh, that's up on, on level three of the museum, which is great because it was made in and around this very area in, in Roundtay in Leeds. So it, brilliant stuff to come and look at through some of the most important historic collections in the UK. And I suppose as technology moves on, there's always parts that have been updated and collections that have been updated and I dare say people even come to the door and say I found this old camera in an attic or you know in an old house clearance or something like that is it any of any use to you? Yeah, we are um, a regular collecting institution, so we are still acquiring loads of new things, and we often have uh, visitors or members of the public coming and offering us um, items. Um, we are very selective, and we, we have, that's my job, to, to try to decide what comes in um, to the museum. We are also very lucky to have uh, our Insight Collection Center, so that is a place that you can come in and book to explore um, the rest of our collection that's not on display, um, and that is some of the most important historical objects to do with photography, film, television, or sound technologies. And of course, uh, you not coming from Bradford, we can tell by your accent, what do you think of the city and the area? I, I absolutely love Bradford. I've been living here for three years, and to be honest, there's not a better place I'd, I'd rather live. Uh, the people here are genuine and passionate, um, and there's a, there's a drive for, for community that you don't see in many other places. And uh, we at the National Science and Media Museum want to just be part of that, and, and I, um, I love living here because of that. Good to talk to you, Jeff, and the National Science and Media Museum is definitely worth a visit. Now from this very modern building, let's wander across Bradford to the oldest building in the city. We're passing through the Broadway Shopping Centre at the moment, which is a very modern complex. It's around about five years old, contains around 70 shops and eateries. There's Debenhams, Next and also Marks and Spencer. The attached car park has 1,300 spaces, all very central and very useful for exploring the city further. 
The Kogate Shopping Centre is a five-minute walk to the west that has stores like Primark, New Look and Argos. It also houses Kogate Market and has around about 650 parking spaces. Foster Square Retail Park, that offers great shopping right next door to the train station. And of course, there are lots of independent traders across the city. For men's fashion, well, I'd recommend Annex on Sunbridge Road or Threads on North Parade. Sunbridge Wells, the underground Victorian tunnels, contains a number of shopping opportunities for gifts and unique items. To brighten up your home, Plant One on Me specialises in awesome indoor plants, succulents and cacti. Keep an eye out for Waterstones. That's in the magnificent Wool Exchange building on Hustlergate. It really is a truly unique location. It was built in the 1860s and the centre of the Bradford trade. It's now one of the world's most beautiful bookstores. And Bradford has some of the best Asian shops in the country as well, including Bombay Stores, which is the UK's largest Asian department store. Here you'll find beautiful fabrics, complete wedding outfits, gleaming jewellery and incredible saris. So here we are at the door of Bradford Cathedral. Now we're going to have to be quiet as we go in as there's a lunchtime piano recital underway. Bradford Cathedral is the oldest building in the city. We've got Maggie Myers with us, the Director of Education and Visitors at Bradford Cathedral. It really is a stunning place. It's beautiful. It's known as a, a, the hidden gem or Bradford's best kept secret. The church that you're in has been here for just over 550 years. But the first Christians came on this site about 1,300 years ago. And it's a small cathedral. It was a parish church until 100 years, just over 100 years ago. So we celebrated our centenary as a cathedral last year. But it is, it is very beautiful. It's got beautiful stained glass. It's got honey-coloured stone. People that come just say it has a lovely warm feeling about it. So we all love it. Lots of people that live in this area, myself included for a long time actually before I worked here, have never been in or don't really know that it's here. And we're, we're trying to sort of invite people to just, you know, to find us and just come in because once you're here, you will really enjoy it. And there's lots and lots of things to see. So, yeah, we're slightly hidden by uh, the building in front of us. But um, now that we've got the car park on Broadway, people can see where we are. And uh, yeah, if you can find us, it'll be worthwhile. You'll really enjoy it. Tell us a little bit more about the, the architectural um, features of this wonderful cathedral. The building that, you, that you're in, as I say, it was built in 1458 and uh, it was built of local stone. So the stone was quarried very, very uh, close by and brought over. And it was actually, some of it was part of an earlier church, the second church on this site, uh, that was burnt down by Scottish raiders in the 1300s. Um, and before that, you know, very early on in, in Anglo-Saxon times, there was a, a very small church here um, with a preaching cross outside. And there are fragments of that Saxon period in the walls of the refurbished cathedral um, so the nave that the main bit of the building is is 550 years old there's a lovely Tudor font cover at the back um, that dates from 1536 there's not a lot of those left a lot of those were either taken away or destroyed in the reformation but we have this beautiful piece of, of wood carving at the back there's a very similar one in Halifax Minster um, we also have uh, beautiful stained glass windows by a variety of people the majority of our stained glass went in 
Victorian times during uh, you know Bradford's period of, of expansion and industrialization and there was lots of money floating around and um, the, the earliest stained glass that went in was actually the work of William Morris and his company and they had just got into stained glass and uh, a local lady was going to dedicate uh, the one of the windows to her husband who died and a friend of hers he was a mill owner but he was also a friend of the pre-Raphaelites suggested William Morris and even though it was only their third commission um, they put in the main window the east window um, Dante Gabriel Rossetti Edward Burne Jones uh, Philip Webb Albert Moore sort of pre-Raphaelite Brotherhood and they also then subsequently put in another window um, so we've got some beautiful work by Morris and Company we've also got a beautiful altar frontal uh, also at the front of the cathedral in the Lady Chapel which was hidden in a drawer for a very very long period of time and nobody knew it was there and it was discovered in 2005 and that's that's a William Morris altar frontal that's been restored and it's now on display in the Lady Chapel that's also gorgeous um, the west window at the back is for lots of us is our favorite window and that's a, a window that uh, depicts women of the Bible there are quite a lot of windows in Bradford Cathedral that depict women. We're standing by one now that has three um, women in. St Hilda of Whitby there in the middle. And there's quite a number of windows. And, and there are lots of them are also dedicated to women as well. So it gives you a bit of a flavour. Um, this is in Victorian times. That Obviously, you know, the world was being run by men. But actually, um, the women of Bradford, are lots of them are remembered um, for their service and their work. Lots of them were teachers and mothers and, you know, landowners. But lots of them are remembered in our windows. So we've got some lovely things there. Our cathedral shield, our badge, um, has cross keys on it. Those are the keys of St. Peter, because we are the Cathedral of St. Peter. But we also have a wool sack on our badge. And that's in reference to something that happened in Bradford during the English Civil War, that again, a lot of people don't know about, but it's a really interesting story. Bradford was on the side of the parliamentarians, mainly because King Charles I had sold Bradford to pay off his father's gambling debts. So we were on the other side. And this area was involved in about five skirmishes during the Civil War. In the first two, the Royalists were repulsed by the people of Bradford. The other side, the Royalists had cannons and they wanted to destroy the symbol of Bradford, which was this building. So the people of Bradford put uh, what they did have a lot of was wool because we were mainly farmers. So they secured wool sacks all around the outside of the tower of the cathedral so that when the cannonballs fired at the cathedral, the wool cushioned the blow and the tower didn't get destroyed. So that happened on at least one occasion, if not more. Ultimately, um, the Royalists did win. Bradford was down to its last barrel of gunpowder and it didn't have any matches left. It, you know, things were dire. And that evening, the head of the Royalist forces spent the night at Bolling Hall. Still there today, you can go visit. And that night, he, reputedly, he was visited by the ghost of the White Lady. And she said to him, pity poor Bradford. So, which meant that the next day, you know, they knew they were going to go in and, and capture everybody and there was going to be carnage. Um, but because of the White Lady, the slaughter did not happen quite as it, as it might have done. So that's the, that's the story of the White Lady of Bollinghall. So there's some lovely stories there, but obviously wool, it's on our badge, but also wool built Bradford as well, made Bradford great. So there's so many lovely connections with the city. And that's something about this building that Obviously, it's a place of worship. It has a thriving faith community, but also it has a place in the civic heart of the city as well as the oldest building and, and lots of civic events take place here as well. You also have a monument to Joseph Priestley. 
as well. Tell us about that. Yeah, so we've got we've just got a few which what I think are really good monuments in the cathedral. And one of them is just as you come in the door, there is a big monument to Joseph Priestley. And Joseph Priestley was responsible for the Bradford link of the Leeds Liverpool Canal. And that was obviously really, really important at a time when Bradford had the, the wall and had the water and was able, you know, to produce uh, this but needed to get it out to the wider world. So Joseph Priestley oversaw um, the Bradford link and the canal company put up the monument to him in appreciation for, for the work that he did. So you can see him there in his top hat with his arms folded and he's overseeing um, some navvies who are hewing out the canal. Uh, he's not breaking into a sweat. So that's a lovely memorial. And, you know, we're open. We're open to the public and we're free entry. And um, there is so much going on here, you know, musically. I sort of haven't told you about the sort of the thriving music programme, the school visits that take place, the many, many groups that the cathedral supports that take place here, part of the, the thriving hub that is Bradford Cathedral. Well, thank you very much for telling us um, some of the history of this amazing, amazing cathedral right in the heart of Bradford. You're very welcome. Thank you. Well, we've wandered down the hill from the cathedral now to Carla Sangam. And Mohammed Ifti is the facilities manager here. And this is an intercultural arts hub. And it is full of rehearsal rooms, also spaces and cafes as well. Bradford is an incredibly diverse city, isn't it, Ifti? It is. The performances that we put on, the stuff that we do, it's all from different communities, diverse communities, not only South Asian. So we work with all sorts of different artists from Italy, from Spain, from whatever. And they're bringing their culture within this organisation, within this building. What does Carla Sangam mean? Carla means art and Sangam means bringing people together, using arts as a main tool to bring people together. And I suppose if we were to go back 10 years ago, those groups and those performers wouldn't have had an outlet as wide as this to show everybody in Bradford what their culture is about, what they can actually do. No, absolutely not. And that's what's changed and that's what you see a lot more now. And that is, you'll see it a lot more. From when we were growing up, you did see it, but you saw it just within your own crowd. So who you mixed with and that's how you saw it. You didn't see it like you see it now. The way that you can go and see different pieces of work. For example, within this organisation, we put on a Kowali performance. If you went to see a Kowali, you might have planned it and there would have been probably majority Asian in there. Whereas when we had it here within this building, there was a diverse community sat within different colours and cultures sat within the crowd watching this Kawali. Tell us a little bit about the facilities you have here because you're between the cathedral yes. and also between the Broadway as well. Yes. Uh, in the old post office yes. building, I'm led to believe. Tell us a little bit about some of the spaces. So this was the old sorting office, it used to be the old post office. After moving here in 2008, got the first set of funding after that, capital funding, and the first set of building works took place in 2011. We had a theatre space with 112 ricks seating in there with a lighting rig, a sound desk, everything installed. And then from there, as well as that, we had other rooms which we converted into offices for Kalasangam, a cafe upstairs, open to the public, rooftop cafe now. And as well as that, a meeting room spaces so we had a few meeting rooms we had, we had another large hall we had a few of the meeting rooms and a clock tower suite upstairs looking on the inside of the clock tower and as well as that we have other arts organisation within the space uh, that are obviously tenants within the building So in just around about a decade 
Yes. In around about 10 years, this place has just grown and grown and grown. Absolutely. It's grown and grown. When we did come here, unfortunately, the recession kicked in. So this area was literally like a ghost town. And Broadway, what you see in front now, was literally a swimming pool in front. It was just a hole. That's all it was. Nothing was going forward until Broadway picked up, as well as the Broadway picking up. Our venue sales manager that came in picked it up. We got more businesses in. A lot of people started using us. But as well as that, in the last two years, our performance side of things has really picked up down to our creative director. Um, obviously, where we were one of the first ones around to do something called pay what you decide on performance nights. So you open the doors to anybody and everybody, those that won't, probably weren't able to come to any of our events, weren't able, weren't able to afford to pay for anything. So they've started to be able to come in. Doors are really open for a lot of people. Different artists every week coming and using the space for free, creating some kind of work. And, you know, it's just great just to be part of it. And if people haven't heard of Carla Sangam or like to get involved or have maybe a bit of art that they want to show, how do they do it? So the way is obviously um, we've got a website. There's a section on there that does tell you that if you're wanting to create any piece of work and you're wanting some free space, approach us, which they can do. Um, as well as in the last two years, from my experience, it's been a lot of word of mouth. People as far as London. I've said, oh, if you're going to go up to Bradford, go visit Carla Sangam. If you need a space just to go practice for a few days, few hours, whatever it may be, contact them and they'll be able to help you. Yeah, come and use our space. Have a look at it. This is what we're offering. First protocol, though, probably look at the website. And the address is? So the address is www.carlasangam.org. So we've left Carla Sangam and the cathedral, and let's stay with the rich history of this part of West Yorkshire uh, with a visit to the Bradford Industrial Museum. Now, Lizzie Labresse is the collections manager for Bradford Museums, and we've mentioned in these podcasts, Lizzie, that Bradford became very wealthy in the 19th century, and that was mainly thanks to the textile industry and the advances in technology. That's pretty much the case, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. It's always been a very innovative and entrepreneurial place, Bradford, and it's really from those big industrialists who were um, keen to invent and develop and constantly improve that the textile industry really thrived. And this building and the buildings that are here now at the Industrial Museum is very much at the heart of that? Very much so, yes. The Industrial Museum was a spinning mill. It was built in 1875 and they spun worsted yarn here. OK, so what can we see? I notice as I look just to like one of the streets, there's a whole network of like little streets and buildings and everything. We've got the old sort of like adverts for Brook Bond Tea and Hudson Soap and things like that. You really get a sense of the history around here. So at the Industrial Museum we tell the story of um, the working lives, social history and the industrial heritage of the district. So we have some back-to-back -back houses that look at how people lived in the district through the Victorian period and the early part of the 20th century. We also look at working horses and how important they were to industry. And then we have all our machinery, so we have motive power, we have our spinning and weaving machines and we have our transport collection as well, which is the largest, most comprehensive collection of Jowett cars in the world. We have our printing gallery as well, which um, we run our printing machines so you can see how letterpress printing worked. We also have some children's activities so you can have a go as well. Um, we have our spinning gallery and we run our spinning machinery and our weaving gallery and we demonstrate on the weaving gallery as well. 
So you get a real sense of what it was like in industrial age Bradford by coming here and taking a look. And it must be fantastic when the schools uh, come here and families as well. It's a real eye-opener for them. Our education team run a Victorian workshop for um, schools and we have a Victorian classroom so they can really experience what it would have been like to have been a child learning and and, uh, going to school in Bradford. I bet that's a bit of a shock for them. Yes, very much so. (laughs) The teacher shouts very loudly. (laughs) And the technology... I assume it was all left and you've, you've cranked it back into life, have you? One of the main ambitions for the Industrial Museum has always been to be living history. So it's really important that we run our machinery. So the minute that machines and mills started to close down, the Industrial Museum and the um, curators here were collecting. So we collected the machinery, we kept it working, we maintain it and we run it. So we show line shafting, we show how our steam engines run and we weave as well. Now, as we said, Bradford's wealth was built on the textile industry. Thousands of people employed in it. But when you come here and you see the scale of some of the machineries, it's all it brings home just how noisy it was and also, I suppose, how, how dangerous it was working in that industry. Yeah, incredibly. I mean, a lot of workers in mills became experts at lip reading because it was so noisy. <laughs> um, so uh, you tend to find a lot of older generations who had that experience can lip read. Um, it's, you also... You know when you come across a mill engineer because they're often missing fingers because it's such a dangerous industry to work in. Accidents are happening on a daily basis. So living history right here and you can come and see exactly uh, what it was like. And this has given us the Bradford that we we know and we love today. Yeah, very much so. It's hugely influential um, in the district and the culture and the development and heritage that we have. Okay, well, it's great. You've got to get yourself down here to the Bradford Industrial Museum. Thanks very much, Lizzie. And Bradford, of course, very much put itself on the map in the 19th century. And now they're looking to remind people why this is such a diverse and also special place as well, because Bradford is in the running for an extraordinary UK accolade. We've now moved inside, we're on Ivegate, in the Brick Box, and we're talking to Eleanor Barrett about Bradford's bid for UK City of Culture. The Brick Box, what an amazing place this is. Tell us about this place. Oh, thanks. Um, Well, we're a little art bar venue. Um, The Brick Box itself is 10 years old this year, so it's a a community interest company that does festivals and events um, and all kinds of exciting things. And the bar, we opened about two and a half years ago here in Ivegate. And we were the only ones, but now there's about eight other bars. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, you've started the trend. UK City of Culture. For those people who maybe don't know, we hear it a lot, but what exactly does it mean? It's basically a kind of, I suppose, uh, I've been using the word special prize. <laughs> I suppose it's an award to acknowledge, you know, that, that a city has a particularly strong cultural offer. Um, but obviously it's, it's a lot more than that. It's about what cultural offer can, can we say is unique to Bradford. I think that's really important. It's the unique factor. You know, everyone can say that they've got some culture going on, but why, why do we deserve to win a special award for our, our cultural offer? And if Bradford was to win, what would it do for the city and the district? Well, obviously, there's a lot of inward investment that comes in from, um, you know, boost to the economy, lots and lots of visitors. But also there's many other benefits to do with confidence and to do with young people in particular seeing opportunities and having that that realisation that their city where they're from is being recognised as being nationally important. And as we're the youngest city in Europe, I think that's particularly important for our young people to see that their aspirations can be real, that they can step into this sort of new identity of, of being a nationally recognised city of culture. So what does Bradford have in its armoury that should see off the competition? Well, I, I think the others are running, running scared. 
<laughs> because I see firsthand uh, every day with my own eyes the armory that we've got. And what I would say is we've got a burgeoning um, DIY grassroots culture, which is absolutely bursting at the seams. People say it's hard sometimes to find out what's going on in Bradford. You might get off at the interchange and you can't necessarily see. There's big institutions that are visible. You know, we've got St George's Hall, which is amazing. And the Alhambra obviously brings a lot of visitors in. But from my point of view, having grown up here in the 70s, 80s, 90s, I remember the, the sort of underground culture. And I think that, you know, it's starting to come back. It really is. You know, there's a, there's a cultural renaissance happening in the city. And here at the Brickbox Bar in the middle of the city, even though footfall can be quite low, you know, we're, we've got economic challenges all around us. This bar is bursting with young people, uh, spoken word, music nights, exhibitions, films, you know, and, and it's something that we've just opened a little door and people just step into it and occupy the space. And they want, they want to be creative. They're really, really hungry for it. And I think that's happening all over the city. And you mentioned the investment that would come and everything that goes with City of Culture. The one word that people use these days is the legacy. What would be the legacy of it? From my personal point of view, I think that we need to invest in buildings and property. And we're in, a, we're in a position at the moment where we've got a lot of waste ground, a lot of derelict buildings across the district, which could be put to good use. And one thing the Brick Box did when we were based in London was we worked a lot um, in regeneration contexts in different boroughs. Um, so I've seen firsthand what, what can happen when, when buildings are taken on, especially if it's, if it's by collectives of people. Um, I, I like to refer to the solidarity economy, which is basically combinations of community ownership and co-ops and new ways of, of people stepping into uh, owning spaces and taking taking responsibility as well as um, benefiting. And I think that if we just have a lot of investors coming into Bradford buying properties and, and you know, maybe making flats and things like that, that's that's all well and good. But as, as citizens, we need to take ownership of our own property and our own cultural economic landscape. So that's something that I'm particularly interested in, seeing how that can happen with City of Culture. There's so a lot of work to be done to hopefully secure City of Culture in 2025. The work has been ongoing now for a couple of years and no let up in sight. When do you actually find out? They haven't quite announced dates and things like that yet. So, so we hope next year, but I'm not quite sure. It could shift a little bit. Obviously, coronavirus has got to be dealt with. So, so in the next year or two, it should be clear. And, and I certainly feel like it's ours for the taking. So confident, fingers crossed, for Bradford City of Culture 2025. Definitely. I think it's going to be a game changer. I think we're going to win it. And I think it's going to boost the city enormously and make everyone feel really proud. Thanks for listening to the Explore with Visit Bradford podcast. And please don't forget to hit subscribe and rate it as well. To get more information on this remarkable part of West Yorkshire, head to visitbradford.com. Until next time, from the Brick Box Rooms in Bradford, goodbye. Goodbye.